Hey, this is Christian Golden. Welcome to our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message encourages you. I hope it builds you up. Enjoy the message. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 through 6. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit of the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all, and through all, and in all. And I want to talk about, first of all, the very first word in there says, I therefore. And when we see that word, what do we do? What did Pastor Paul teach us? When you see the word therefore, what do you do? You stop and see what it's there for. So we're going to stop and see, why did Paul put that? And as we move through the book of Ephesians, we come to this bend in the road, and to the, to the journey that he's talking about. And the further we go, the more likely we will lose sight of the things that we've learned before, Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, as we're starting in 4. But Paul brought us, and we don't want to forget what, where he brought us to and where we are now. So Paul makes this transition with the word, therefore. Amen? And so I want to be faithful and point you back to the previous chapters for just a moment to look once more before we move on, to go all the way back in your mind and remember what he taught us, that God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ has blessed us with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ. Amen. And I want to remind you that he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. And remember that this is what he had declared and now beckons us to be in his son, reckons us to be in his son, holy and blameless and set apart for his call and for his purpose. And also rejoice once more that he predestined us to adoption. Remember that? We're adopted as sons through Jesus Christ. We're heirs and we're joint heirs with him and to, and to himself and to the praise of his glory. Amen. And remember the mighty deeds that he has done. Remember the mighty deeds that he has done in putting an end to the enmity between God and man and between his Holy Spirit and by his Holy Spirit. He ushered us into the throne room of heaven. What a place to be, to stand as family before a holy God. Amen. And then once more be reminded that the things Paul has prayed for us at the end of chapter 3 are things that can only be accomplished by the power of the Holy Spirit. The power is the same that raised Christ from the dead and does indeed work in us to accomplish those things. Amen. To strengthen the inner man, to let us comprehend the infinite and unfathomable love of Christ and to be filled up to all the fullness of God. Who wants to be filled with the fullness of God? So Holy Spirit, we invite you this morning in here today to invade our hearts, to invade our minds, to show us the way that you've laid out before us. And I want you to also remember that in Ephesians chapter 2, that Jesus, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Remember that it's God's grace that saved us before we move on to chapter 4. Remember that it's by his power and his authority that he gave us, that nothing that we could do, our righteousness is like filthy rags, and it's only by him and because of him that we have salvation. And also, I want you to remember about the cross before we move on. Don't forsake the cross. The penalty was paid. The blood that was shed was for us and for us and by us because of Jesus, so our sins can be remiss, so our, we can have eternal life. Amen? So whenever you see the word, therefore, Let's look and see what it's there for. 
So this morning, we're gonna, we're gonna, the first thing I want to talk about is walk in the manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And walk in the manner worthy of the calling. In the Hebrew, the phrase that you walk or walk is pronounced peripateo, okay? And I'm not a Hebrew or Greek scholar, but I do like to take it back to its original version. And what it means is to tread, to tread all around. And everywhere you go, you're, you're, you're walking, you're, um, you're walking at large, you're walking about, you know, to walk in a manner, um, to live. It means to live in a way, to go in a certain direction, to be occupied with, amen? So, in other words, Paul is saying to go in a manner of the, worthy of the calling, to live in a manner worthy of the calling, to be occupied in a manner worthy of the calling. Let it consume your life. If you're worthy of something, you're walking worthy. My son is worthy of my love because he is my son. When I'm walking worthy of God, I'm worthy of his love because he is my father. Amen? And be occupied with what you're doing. Be occupied with the calling that Christ has given you. How do you do that? How do you be occupied with the calling, with the gift? You participate. You practice. I used to stand in the, in the bathroom and evangelize to myself, trying to win myself to Christ. And then I'd tell, I'd tell myself things like, well, I don't believe in Jesus. And then that was my bad self. Then the good self would have to come up with a reason on, well, how are you going to tell somebody that don't believe Jesus to believe in Jesus? And it always goes back to your testimony. It always goes back to the things that you've lived. Nobody can refute your testimony. Nobody can refute the experiences that you've lived in your life where God has brought you through some things, and even though we don't understand it, it doesn't change the fact that it happened. Just because some million-dollar scientist sits up in, a, in an office with a pen and says, God ain't real, there's no evidence, doesn't mean God ain't real. Amen? So be occupied with the things that God has given you. Walking, uh, walking is a, it's an action word. It's an action word. You walk When you walk worthy, you're putting action behind what God has called you to do. You're putting faith in it. We're, we're saved not because we're, we're, we put works with our faith. We don't do works for faith. Amen? Um, it's moving forward. Moving forward. The children of Israel, they came to a place. They'd just been brought in out of 400 years of bondage. And they come, came to a place where they're standing at the Red Sea. And everything seemed lost. Everything seemed broken. They couldn't go back. The enemy was the hoof beach. You could hear the horses coming. They couldn't go to the right. They couldn't go to the left. There wasn't enough boats around to get millions of people across. And they were at a place. And they were stuck. They couldn't get to where they're going. Exodus 14, 15. The Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward, lift up your staff, and stretch out your hand over the sea, and divide it that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry land. Amen. So when there didn't seem to be a way, God, he made a way. He said to go forward. He said, lift up your hands and stretch out, lift up your staff and stretch out your hands. So what God is saying is use what's in your hand and move forward. If God has called you to drive a bus, drive the bus. If God has called you to sweep, sweep. Use what's in your hand and move forward. Use the gifts and callings that God, the irrevocable, use them. Apply them to your life. Be superstars at them. That's what I feel like God is telling me. But what God is saying, use what's in your hand and move forward. And sometimes you don't have nothing in your hand. 
Sometimes all you have in your hand is the word of God. Maybe you don't even know what God is calling you to do. How can you move forward in something you don't know? Get involved. Participate. A good way to find out what God wants you to do in your life is to show up to men's group. Show up to women's group. Just a little jig in there. But it helps. There's, there's men of knowledge. There's men of wisdom who've lived way more life as old bucks than I ever could imagine as a young buck. And they got so much experience that we can glean from. Walk worthy of the calling. Who is worthy? Who is worthy? Only Jesus. Worthy means having or showing the qualities or abilities that merit recognition in a specified way. It means you have the qualities and the abilities to walk worthy of the calling. Amen? You're gifted. God doesn't never call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And you look at the people that he used in the Bible. They were murderers. They were sinners. They were tax collectors. And God said, I'm not going to look at your imperfections. I'm going to look at your heart. And so often as us, as men and women, we look at people and their actions and we judge them by their outward appearance. And God says, we'll judge them by the inward appearance. And if they would have, if they would have, if, if, they would have done that. If Samuel would have done that when he went to the sons of Jesse, he would have picked Eliab because Eliab was tall, dark, and handsome. They wouldn't have picked David. David was just a little ruddy, curly-headed, dirty, stinky sheep boy. But his heart was right. And I've always said I would take friends that have heart over anybody that looks good. Because if you have heart, you've got passion. And if you've got passion for Christ, it means you're going to be willing to step out and do some things that normally you wouldn't do. Amen. Walk worthy of the calling. Only God is worthy. I am not worthy. My, my worthiness, my righteousness is like filthy rags. God is worthy. He sets us up. He sets us in place. He's the one that goes before us. He leads, our, leads us down the path of righteousness. But it's his righteousness. It's not our righteousness. Matthew 10, 38 and whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. So if you don't take your cross and follow Christ and it makes you unworthy, then, you ha then we could uh, rightfully say that if you take your cross up and follow Christ, you are worthy. And yes, you have a cross. He's clear about it right here. If you don't take up your cross and follow me. We all have a cross that we have to bear. We all have things in our life that we have to sacrifice we all have uh, addictions in our life that we have to sacrifice. We all have areas in, in our family, in our home, in our job that is affecting us that we have to nail to the cross and let God take it to the grave and defeat it, especially in your ministry. That's one surefire way to know if God is calling you to a certain area of a ministry is to nail it to the cross and let God bury it and see what happens in three days. If you're called to it, he's going to make a way for it. He's never, God's never going to call you to do something he hadn't already started preparing you for. Anything. Anything. It means having, showing the qualities. I'm worthy. I'm worthy of my Father, Jesus Christ. I'm worthy. So I'm going to show qualities of what? Of being a Christian. I'm going to show qualities. I'm going to show the, the attributes of, of the words that come out of my mouth. They're going to be words of encouragement, not words of discouragement. It's going to be words of peace, words of unity. It's not going to be words of separation and segregation. Walk worthy. Use the qualities. And the, there will be recognition that comes with that. It's at, we don't want the recognition on us, but at some point we will be recognized 
for who we are and what we represent. You can't run around and holler about Jesus on Sunday and act like it, you don't know him on Wednesday because somebody's going to call you out on it. Amen? So what is the calling? That's the great mystery, right? What is the calling? What is God calling us to do? Let's talk about that for a minute. What is the calling? What is the calling? Romans 1.6, it says that we are all called to belong to Jesus Christ. Everybody in here, man, woman, and child, was called to be of Jesus Christ. Romans 8.28, we say all things work together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. Amen. First Timothy 2, 3 through 4. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who deserves all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. We are called to be saved. We are all called to be saved. We were talking about worshiping false gods the other day and one of the things that, you know, from, from creation, God has put it into every man and woman to worship him, to serve him. And to be called unto him to be saved, to listen to him, to trust in him, to walk in him. And when you look around the country, why is it uh, the world, why does everybody seem to have their own God that they worship? Because what, what has happened is the ability that God gave us to, to come to him, to be drawn to him, to worship him, has been perverted by evil. Now we worship other things. We worship material things. People worship gods. People worship animals. People worship their homes. People Worship people. But God has called us to worship him. And he's called us from the beginning to be called, to be as Christian, to, to love him and to save him. But the great thing about God is that Romans eleven twenty nine 29 says, For the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. Nobody can take that from you. Neither death, nor hell, nor life, nor the grave. Nothing can separate you from the love of Jesus Christ. Amen? And the gospel is simple. That's my prayer every day. Lord, the gospel's simple. Help me to make it simple. Help me to teach it simple. You walk in such a way to honor God. That's simple. The Bible says don't sin, don't sin. The Bible says love your neighbor, love your neighbor. It's simple. The gospel's simple. We're set apart. It's simple. God has set us apart for his purpose, for his kingdom, to do mighty exploits, to do things for him, to honor him, to glorify him. That is a simple concept. We honor God because it's simple, right? We stand out. We're going to stand out as men and women of Christ. Not to put the glory on us, but everything we do is a direct path to Christ. So we have to stand out. We have to be a light into a dark world. It's simple. Love Jesus, know him, and make him known. So if you were in a crowd of 20 people, if you were in a crowd of 20 people, how would we know you're a Christian? How would we know you're a Christian? How do you stand out? How do you stand out if you're as followers of Christ? Do you have to tell people you're a Christian? Oh, I'm a Christian. I serve God. And when they tell you that, do they give you that sideways, crooked mouth look like I would have never imagined? How do you represent Christ? Does your speech, do you represent Christ with your mouth? Do you represent Christ with your tongue? Do you speak life into situations? When somebody comes up to you and they have a problem with somebody else, do you get on board on the bandwagon and smash them, or do you agree that, hey, let's speak life, let's pray for them, let's lift them up, let's speak things into existence? There's power in your tongue. There's life and death in your tongue. Your attitude, how does your attitude represent Christ? Are you disgruntled? Are you always mumbling at work? Do, do people see you as a Christian and don't want nothing to do with you because of how you act? 
How does your attitude, amen? Do your actions give Christ a good name or a bad name? This is part of walking worthy of the calling. The way we carry ourselves, the way we walk. Do people know you as a Christian or do you have to tell them? Amen. Walk worthy. And sometimes one of the hardest things I've ever had to do in my life is come to the um, realization that I am worthy to walk in the calling. I, for so long in my life, I've been beat down uh, because of the, the way I grew up with my family, with being poor, with, with always being on, on welfare, with always having to eat free lunch when everybody was getting real lunch, and always being in and out of jail and juvenile, and, and always felt so unworthy to be a Christian. I've just felt so, so unworthy. And so many of us in this world today, we feel so unworthy about being and serving Christ because of things that we've done in our past. But when God says, you have been redeemed, when he says, you have been sanctified, that means that comes away. All things become new. And you got to walk in things that you know you're good at, that, that God has called you to walk in. Am I making sense? It makes sense to me. Let me give you the T.O. version. I was blind, but now I see. Amen? I was lost, but now I'm found. I wasn't worthy, but now I'm worthy. The prodigal son wasn't worthy. He did spend all, even if you've been a Christian and you've backslid and you got out and you're living reckless and abandoned. Oh, God will never take me back. Yeah, he will. David, yeah, he will. Look at David. Look at David. He cheated. He did a lot of other things, but that's just the one we always seem to talk about because that's kind of something that happens all the time. He cheated. Did that which was unthinkable as a king and a Christian. And God said, I forgive you. There's consequences. Make no mistake about it. There's a consequence for your sin. There's consequences for everything, for every action, every word and deed that come out of your mouth. But we are worthy. We are worthy to stand in the place that we never thought we could stand. We are worthy to stand up and say, I am a child of God, that my God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I am worthy to walk on streets of gold when he calls me home. And I am worthy to say, Lord, I am sick. I don't want to be sick anymore. I need your healing. I am worthy. And it's not because of nothing I've done. It's because of Christ. Amen. It's because of Christ. As we move on. Ephesians 4, 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. I like how the New King James puts it. And he himself gave some, some, not all, some, S-O-M-E, some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, and some to be teachers. This is what is commonly known as the fivefold gifts of the ministry. It's not all-inclusive, but this is the common five-fold gift. And we're going to talk about it for just a minute, okay? So what is an apostle? What is an apostle? A pastor of the pastors. Amen. Thank you, Bob. The word apostle, is, uh, it means messenger of Jesus Christ. It's a person who Jesus gave authority for a certain task. Amen. The word apostle is also used to represent the 12 disciples. So are we disciples? Or are we apostles? Some say both. Some say one. Some say the other. What, what do you think it is? Apostles? Disciples? Depends on which text you read, to be honest. Apostle is usually reserved for the 12 
who followed Jesus Christ. But what, what you'll notice is the 12 apostles were also called disciples. And sometimes the apostles were called disciples, but I don't know that us as disciples are called apostles. Amen. Apostle defines a person in terms of their purpose or mission, and disciple emphasizes the relationship they have with the teacher. So yes, the 12 apostles were apostles, but they were also disciples, just like we're also disciples. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. Amen. I was a disciple of Paul David Golden. He taught me. He, he showed me some things. He prayed with me, and he, he, when I got out of line or twisted off, he corrected me. I wish I would have recorded some of these things. I would have just laughed at some of the <laughs> dumb things that I did or said in the name of Jesus. But what a patient man, right? So I'm going to say that we are all disciples as we are all learning daily to be more like Jesus. If you're not learning every day, something's not going on right in your life. We should be learning daily, not only from the Word of God, but, and not only from the work, but the people that are around us. There's so much to, to, uh, education that we can learn just from talking to people. So what is a prophet? So I told Pastor one day, I said, Pastor, there are people in our church, and he told me I couldn't uh, say this, by the way, <laughs> back then. I said, Pastor, there are people in our church that gives more prophecies than all the prophets in the Bible. What do we do about that? <laughs> And he said, you keep your mouth shut, boy. <laughs> you let God deal with them. A prophet is a person who spoke for God and communicated God's message to God's people. Amen. They were God's representative for communicating God's word. True prophets, listen, true prophets never spoke on their own authority. That's how you know. That's how you know if there's really a prophecy coming your way. I personally, when, when I've had people come up and say, I have a word from the Lord, my first response is always, did you take that to the pastor? Did you take that to the elders? You don't have to receive prophecies. And we've had people give prophecies about with dates and times, and they weren't right. They were inaccurate. The prophecy is was not right. It fell by the wayside. So is there prophets still alive today? Is there prophets that are still alive today? Hmm. House divided? Huh? So here, let me tell you what I think. I believe there are prophets today whom God has set apart for a specific purpose and a specific reason. And I think they have the authority of God to speak things, to say things. But I think because of so much of the false prophecies and the false doctrines that have been given out that when we hear somebody giving a true word of God, we always question it. There's this idea that anybody that calls themselves a prophet is automatically false. I don't personally know any prophets, just want you to know, but I do believe God has men and women anointed in this world. I believe that God has set up, just like the enemy, where he set up an antichrist like Pastor Paul used to teach us for every dispensation. Because he doesn't know when the time is coming. He always had an antichrist ready. I believe there's prophets ready as well to bring God's word, to, to bring God's judgment as he needs to bring it. I am not a prophet. I don't know any prophets. I wish I did because I got some questions for them. So if y'all know any, send them my way. I want to talk to them. Amen. Acts 2, 17 and 18. And in the last days it shall be God, it shall, and it, 
excuse me, and in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, even on my male servants and female servants. In those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And, I, and one of the things that I want us to get a clear understanding is, you may not be gifted as a prophet, but God, if he can speak through a donkey, and if he can make the rocks cry out for us not doing what we should be doing, he could use every one of us for a time for to give a, a specific word to a specific person. Does that make sense? You may not have the gift, but God can do what he wants. The Holy Spirit can work in us and through us to say things that need to be said. Our, an evangelist declares the good tidings of Jesus Christ. Evangelists share the gospel. That's where I started out, sharing the gospel, going around, asking people for prayers, talking about looking for lost people, going out of my way to find people, to, to pray with them, to give them Christian starter kits. That's what evangelists do. And they, what they do is they find the hurting. When's the last time we went out and searched for somebody that's hurting? How many of us have hurting people in our family and we don't even talk to them? How sad. We, we want to change the world. We want to go out and, and, and go on all these great missions all across the country to find lost and hurting people. And we got them in our own church. And we got them in our own homes. And we got them in our own jobs. And what are we doing with that? Those that are faithful in a little, being faithful with what you have, God will make you faithful over much. Amen. Be faithful where you're at. Now, there is a purpose and a reason God does send people out for that. But for the most part, most of us ain't doing that. So we got to reach the people that are around us. We got to share the gospel with the people that are in our homes, with our children. We got to find the hurting people that are around us for the sole purpose to bring glad tidings about Jesus Christ. That's what evangelism is telling the good news. Hey, there's a way where there seems to be no way. I don't know what you're going through, and I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but I know who holds tomorrow, and tomorrow's going to be a brighter day because his mercies are renewed every morning. And you can be an example to people just by being who you are and share the gospel to those who have not heard about Jesus Christ. Amen. A shepherd or a pastor, what is their job? What is their role? A shepherd is a protector. Okay. A shepherd is, is set in place and anointed by God for a specific reason, a specific person. And that's to bring the word of God. That's to, that's to govern. That's to love. That's to bring the body together. That's to bring unity what a shepherd does. That's what a pastor does. They protect the flock. They're protectors. They pray. They intercede. They fast. They get on their knees before God in behalf of the people. Charlie told me one time, and pastor said the same thing, if people are calling the pastor for prayer, then it's really bad. <laughs> Most people don't call the pastor for prayer unless it's really that bad. And I said, okay, thank you for telling me. So if y'all call me, I'm automatically assuming that it is really bad. What you see from a pastor on Sunday morning is just a snapshot of the time and commitment they put in. They put in a lot of work. And it's not for them. It's to glorify God. It's to edify God. It's to bring a message to God's people. To bring them to a place of repentance. To bring them to a place of, I need you, Lord. To let them know there's a way when there seems to be no way. Amen. 
And most pastors are lifelong students. That's what I've learned. I've always learned, uh, especially with talking with Pastor Paul, he was always studying. He was always reading. He was always digging deep. And there's, always, there's other ministries. There's other areas of life that expound beyond the Bible that you have to kind of, as a pastor, understand about. Spiritual warfare. And yes, the spirit, Bible talks about spiritual warfare, but there's things outside the Bible that affect that. You've got to understand about different denominations. So when, you, when you're dealing with people, when you're talking with people, you know how to correct, you know how to talk with them and love with them. Is that making sense? There's a lot on their plate that they study and prepare for. And a teacher is an instructor. That's what I like the most. I've always felt like I was a teacher. I love to teach God's word. I'm one of them guys because I'm an artist, I guess. I don't know. I like the details. I want to know what kind of sandals they were wearing. I want to know what kind of robes they had on. I want to know what the temperature was. Did they have to walk up a hill both ways in the snow when they were going to school? You know, I want to know all the details. And a teacher likes to bring those details out. They like to bring out the facts of Christ. They like to bring out the facts of the Bible. And I'm, I'm weird about dates and times and numbers. Those fascinate me. And y'all are looking at me like I'm crazy. Must not, y'all must not like those. But I like them. Amen? Amen. So I said all that to say this. I said all that to say this. It doesn't matter what your calling is. It doesn't matter that God called you to be an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, a pastor, or a teacher. It doesn't matter what he set in place for you to do. You walk worthy of the calling that God has given you. We are all called to be saved. So you walk worthy of being saved. If you're saved and you believe in Christ Jesus, then you've raised the bar in your life on how you should conduct yourself and how you should walk as a Christian. And how do we walk as Christians? Who do we edify as Christians? Who do we glorify as Christians? We are Christ-like. We edify Christ. Christ. We glorify him. We lift him up. We build him up. That's our calling, to know him and to make him known. And if you're going to know him, you got to spend time with him. You spent, when you first met your wife, you spent, and husband, you spent time with him. You got to know him. You got to know all the good things. You got to know all the bad things. You know your spouse. And the same with God. You know God. You spend time with him in prayer and study and fasting. Amen? That's, that's what we do. That's what it means to walk worthy of the calling. That means you're going to set yourself apart, that you're not going to go to the left. You're not going to go to the right. You're going to stay focused. You're going to walk the road, the path that Christ has given you, even though you can't see what's beyond the end. Ephesians verse... <clears throat> To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. That's what this is all about. That's why God appoints us to walk worthy of the calling. And that's why God has set up the pastors and the evangelists, to equip the saints. How do you equip the saints? How do you equip the people in the church? When you go out on outreach and you're out there witnessing and you get people to come in, it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop one and done. We're not asked to go and get one soul and then quit. When you reach people, when you reach the lost, you bring them in. Then there's another phase of this called discipleship, equipping. And that's where the men's class and the women's class come in. We build each other up. We teach people and men and women, we teach them the word of God that they didn't otherwise know. And for the work of the ministry. 
I think about what the work of the ministry is. Ministry is messy. Ministry is very messy because you're dealing with people. And not only are you dealing with people, but you're dealing with people who are volunteers. And a lot of times people have the attitude, if we don't do what you say I'm going to do, I'm going to quit because I'm a volunteer. Does that make sense? Yeah, Charlie told me that. I don't, can't take credit for that one. <laughs> but it's for the work of the ministry. There's so many people in here this morning that are not involved with anything in the church. There's churches across this nation where people just come in Sunday, they get fed and they go home, but they have something they need to be worthy to walk for, and they're not doing it. And we equip for the ministry. The ministry is to build up the body of, of Christ, to build the body of believers. Titles, these titles in Ephesians are not given to edify ourselves. These titles are not given to edify anything that I'm doing. They're to edify God. They're to glorify God. What's the point in, if, you, if, you, if you're an evangelist and you stand up and you beat your chest and, and I'm an evangelist and, you're, and you're, all you're doing is talking about the things that you're doing. And yes, we have to talk about some of those things to glorify God. But why are you doing it? to edify God, to bring, bring people closer to Jesus. And it's for the building of the body of Jesus Christ. Amen. It, the titles don't mean anything if you don't have the people. Does that make sense? It doesn't matter what you're called. It doesn't matter how you're called. The title doesn't mean anything if you're not already doing the work. Here's my thought. It's just my thought. It's not scriptural. But if you're vying for a position, if you're looking for a position at work, what are you going to do? You're going to start doing that before, you've caught, before they give it to you. A lot of the times when, you, when you're promoted at work, you're promoted because you're already exceeding and excelling in the area that you're trying to go into. And I think the same spiritually. I don't think God's ever going to call anybody out of their current place until they have a replacement. Because when you call people to move up in your job or to move up in the ministry, if you don't fill that void, if you don't fill that place, then now you have an, an empty place of people that are not getting fed. Amen? Amen. So in order for us to walk in a manner worthy of the calling, there's some things we have to do. We must first walk together in unity. We must first walk together in unity. And if we're going to walk in unity, we have to listen to the people that, got put, that God has put into our path. We have to listen to the apostles. We have to listen to the prophets and the evangelists and the pastors and the teachers. And the reason for this is because in Ephesians verse 4, it says, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope, one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. In order to, to reach t total worthiness, we have to be unified as men and women. We have to put our differences down. We have to say, okay, for the betterment, for the further advancement of Christ's kingdom, we're going to get along. You can disagree on everything, but we're going to get along. Hey, this is Christian Golden. I wanted to thank you so much for joining us today and listening to our podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, I'd like to ask you to do a couple things for us. The first is to subscribe to our podcast so you can stay up to date with everything going on here at LCC. 
Also, you can help us reach others around the world by investing today at lightchristiancenter.com slash give. Thank you so much for joining us. God bless you and have a great day.